0: I'm like, well, I'm not really a Bible person, and he's really open, so I need to be open.
1: From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. We're collaborating with the SHIFT Festival in Jackson, Wyoming, and we're about to hear from one of SHIFT 2017's adventure athletes. If you're at the festival, say hi to our senior producer, Erin Jones, and let her know if you have a story for a future episode. This time, we'll hear about a woman who wanted to tell a story, but then found she had to listen, too. Her name is Miho Ida. But Miho is more than just a name. It was a destiny.
0: It's it's a Japanese tradition to give a name that has parents wish embedded in that represented in the child's characters. And my name actually means a protector of people, culture and environment in Japanese. I come from a background where the land is something that has a very strong cultural tie to it so for example I grew up um, going to the mountains um, just outside of Tokyo with my dad to you know catch fish and collect some of the wild edible plants and my dad knew uh, when to go how much we should and how much we should leave for other people and animals. And that was definitely one of the ways that I connected to the land, and it's very cultural. In
1: 1999, Miho immigrated to the United States to begin
0: a master's degree in environmental studies. Coming from, you know, Japan as an adult immigrant, really, I had to find a way to be seen in this environmental outdoor career that I chose. And I struggle a lot when I came here. I mean, my English wasn't that great. I had so many times, I just didn't know what's going on. So I just kind of developed this perspective to really pay attention to, you know, whose stories are not being told and why. After
1: graduating, Miho got a job as an environmental educator at a national park. She was doing what she loved, but she couldn't stop thinking about whose
0: stories were getting lost. When I really pay attention to all the stories that I was conditioned to tell, my students are mostly, you know, white, mostly male conservationists and their stories. I think there's just a lot of different ways that people relate to the land. And the thing is that I don't think all these different ways are celebrated in the same way as, let's say, camping or hiking or go climbing or go surfing.
1: Mihao wanted to live up to her destiny, to be a protector of people, culture and environment. So she started reaching out to indigenous groups. She learned about the Guchin people who live above the Arctic Circle. For them, the coastal plain of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge is the sacred place where life begins. It's a breeding ground for polar bears, wolves, and caribou. But since the 80s, that land has also been the site of proposed oil and gas development. It's been really controversial. People take sides of pro-caribou or pro-drilling. And Miho found that the Guchin people's voice was getting lost in that debate. So she traveled there to interview Indigenous women. And in 2013, came out with a short documentary. As an Indigenous
0: person, we're always looking to protect our lands. It's our land and that's where we come from. Spill in the Gulf of Mexico? That was a wake-up call. We're not protecting the Arctic Refuge for ourselves. We're protecting it for everyone. I really wanted to bring that human connection to the place so that no matter what kind of political perspective you have or environmental perspective you have, you can at least relate to the emotions that people may have.
1: Miho had a lineup of different festivals the film would play, but she also wanted to bring it to people who might not be at those kinds of events. So she thought, why not a bike tour? She would bring the voice of the Guchin Nation to unsuspecting hikers, campers, and bikers at state parks up and down the Pacific Northwest. She thought it was a great idea.
0: But I was the only person thinking that was a great idea first. People are like, what? What are you going to do? You're going to ride from Seattle to San Francisco? Like, you know, how are you going to get the word out? More logistical part, I think my friends are kind of concerned about it, but... I had my own strategy, well, instead of me trying to create a venue and, you know, try to get people, why don't I show up and stay at the state parks? And people are already there, and what are they going to do in the evening? Nothing, really. Like, they're just going to put the campfire out, they're just going to hang out. So, you know, I think I, I didn't really worry much about not having any people to come to see the film. Uh, But, you know, that was just, again, me, like, very optimistic and just try it and see what happens. I'm kind of a person who can't really hide my emotions, so I'm sure, like, if if I just saw, like, eight people showed up, I would probably, like, look disappointed for sure. I thrive in this kind of, you know, public speaking when I have 100 people in a theater and talking to them and really try to engage the audience and help them to connect to the emotion that Guchen people have. And I really feel that kind of energy sometimes in a you know big space. But the
1: space Miho was dealing with was unlike any normal venue. It was the great outdoors. She rigged up her bike to act as a portable movie theater. She brought along a small projector and speaker, And when she arrived at a new campground, she could flip the bike upside down and mount a screen on it. It was all spur of the moment, but Miho was determined to make it work. She mapped a course from Seattle to San Francisco, packed her gear, and set off.
0: I only put like a little less than three weeks to ride a thousand miles. So that put me in a position to ride 60 miles on average every day. That's just too much, to be honest, uh, with a 50 pound bicycle trailer. So I had this one day, um, I had to ride a hundred, over a hundred miles, it was a big day. I had a five in the morning start, you know, coming across the Oregon-Washington border, um, this scary bridge that I had to cross, astoria Magnar Bridge over Columbia River. And I got to this state park, and I had, you know, people at the cyclist uh, biker-hiker campsite. So I said, well, it's still light, so why don't I have, like, a 9 p.m. screening? And there are probably just a handful of cyclists just there and i really didn't say much about what this film is about i only said i'm on a film tour and i made this film to support arctic indigenous community called guchen people and this is about protecting our public land so i would love if you can come and see the film so i didn't say anything about this has to do with you know environmental issues this has to do with you know, potential oil development. I never really said anything about that. So people came and I watched it. And then, you know, people liked it. And and everybody started leaving. And this one person who just left briefly and then came back to me and told me that, hey, Miho, I just want you to know if I've known this film is about in you know, Arctic Refuge and you know, oil drilling issue. In a political world, it's known as ANWR, Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, so A-N-W-R. You know, he knew the term. Um, so if this is about ANWR, I probably didn't show up because clearly, as I listen to you, we have different, you know, political perspectives and environmental perspectives. And, you know, I actually support drilling up in the Arctic. And what's really different about your film is that these women spoke about their connection to the place I never really heard about. And it was really emotional. So he said he doesn't really support what I'm promoting. At the same time, he really connected to these women. Next morning, He came back to my picnic table when I was having breakfast, and he said to me, well, it's my ritual in the morning to read a Bible, and I don't know if you're going to read a Bible or not, and I'm not trying to convert you or anything, but I've been really reflecting on your film last night and this morning, and I decided to pick a chapter in a Bible that I can resonate with your film, and here's a chapter. So... If you want to read it, you can read it, and if you don't want to, that's fine, too. And then inside of me, I'm like, well, I'm not really a Bible person, and he's really open, so I need to be open to him. So I said, I would love to love, you know, the Bible, so if you don't mind, leave it here, then I'll read it as I eat my breakfast, and he said, sure. So the chapter he chose that morning um, was called Excellence of Love and really hit me hard because he could have chosen any other things, but he thought that was the message that I was delivering, that something that all human can relate to, it's love. And later he gave me this note after I gave the Bible back and it it was just a really sweet note. And he said that, you know, your film went beyond political positions straight to the heart of this important situation. The Guchen people's opinions and viewpoints are more important than the vote from Congress. The Guchen are the people who live in Anwar and their voice should be heard before all else. And I was just so touched. Even when we stand in a different political position or environmental perspective, he got it. And that was a really good lesson for me. I really appreciated um, this person you know, felt comfortable enough to have a very honest conversation with me. And I really remember that, you know, that moment. I think biggest takeaway is not to assume anything from people and be open, be able to listen even the things that I may not want to hear. I think that kind of like openness I think it really helps people to also hear me better. Somebody told me, Mijo, the people who need to be there are always there. And these are the people who's actually going to do things for you. So it took me a while to actually accept that. I had to believe in that. You know, the next day I had to ride 79 miles. You know, it was like two miles at the end or like, really, really steep hill and, you know, I was definitely suffering. I couldn't even ride it straight. I had to do switchbacks. Like I was like, oh, this is like how the worms move and, you know, I'm not really moving faster than the worm right now. And it's like my sunglasses fogged up and the sweat got into my eyes and it was painful and it really got to the point. You know, really like, why am I doing this? It's love.
1: Our storyteller was Miho Ida. Since her first excursion, she's brought her bike film tour to the East Coast, Hawaii, Maine, and back to the Pacific Northwest. You can watch the trailer for her film at our website, humannaturepodcast.org. Special thanks to KQED in San Francisco for recording Miho. I'm Caroline Ballard. Human Nature is produced by me, Aaron Jones, Anna Rader, and Micah Schweitzer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media.
0: It's human nature.